The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi there, and welcome to the Big Bang we call Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com, and I'm at the spiritual center. I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my super friend and co-host, Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. And she's got, she's got a new book coming out soon. We'll let you know when that happens. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm great. You sound very deep and intense today. I did, didn't I? I'm not sure what <laughs> came in there, but I think it may be, uh, you know, we've had like five days of rain. Oh, yeah. And so I'm in that kind of languid, slow kind of pace this week, I guess. Well, I'll see if I can I can meet your pace and try to do that languid and slow kind of thing on myself if I can. Yeah, no, nah, we just can't pull nah, it off. Can't we just it. can't, Jim. Can't do it, no. So uh, we've got a special guest today. It's our very own Martha Creek. Martha is a regular contributor to Big Universe. We're so happy to have her join us. And she's launching her new book, Martha's Pearls. What do you think? I was excited to read uh, to read it. I have not met Martha yet. And so, you know, I enjoy her segments that are on our show, but to uh, to talk to her live and in person, I'm very excited. Me too. And talking about live and in person, you are going to do a Unity thing coming up. What's going on with that? I am. I'm headed to Unity Village. It's my first time, which feels really exciting. Oh, and it's awesome there. It's awesome. We we're all very excited, I think, right now to get out. And I know that um, those of us who are retreat addicts have been missing the ability to gather in person. And so I'll be out there. It's a little ways off, but we've already started registration. It's in October. And I'm joining Reverend Carol Saunders, who's a unity minister. And she wrote the booklet. Some people might be familiar with it. The Forgotten Teachings of Charles Fillmore. How Our Relationship with Animals Connects to Universal Love, Ethical Living, Spiritual Development, and World Peace. Oh, how perfect yeah. for you. There you go, right? So so we're going to be, um, it's titled 2021 Vision, A World That Works for All. So it's, you know, around this question of um, ethical living and how do we get our spiritual values and our daily actions to intersect and acknowledging that's messy and it really helps to have each other to talk about you know, how do we deal with 
what's going on in the world right now. So it's October 1st through 3rd, and people can go to thespiritualforum.org and then click on retreat and get all the info. There's a lot of other people involved in this, the folks from Indefensive Animals and some other groups too. Uh, but it's very much a unity event at Unity Village. And I'm so excited. I think I'm already going to start packing. <laughs> I'm one of those people who packs like four months before I go anywhere. Oh, my goodness. Do you well, have any trips or any plans or any ways of getting out in the world planned uh, right now, Jim? I'm just I'm keeping it local for the moment. We did go to Tennessee recently and we're, we were in the uh, mountains of Tennessee, which was really awesome. We got to. Uh, my wife and son and I got to meet up with my wife's family. Um, and uh, we just had a, a marvelous time. It's so gorgeous. It's back to back to nature in a, well, I have to say in kind of a luxurious way, but, you know, sitting out on the deck and looking at the mountains right there is just so fulfilling and feels so good. So that's, you know, that's the trip that we made recently. But I, I'll tell you, I'm happy to occasionally get out to a coffee shop right now <laughs> it's so true it is it, it's kind of odd i've been in the south a lot and i live in the north and you know traveling back and forth and back and forth to uh to deal with a, a family who a family member with some health issues so i've been seeing a lot of a lot of the u.s and that's exciting to just see things outside my own yard it is you know i i understood it but i didn't quite understand how much i missed being in connection with people in real life, you know, being in, in the, in the atmosphere of people just around a little bit. Yeah. And I, and and I know strangers. we still, yes. I miss strangers. Yes. And, and mm. I know we still need to be cautious, you know, and, right. Of course. And, you know, I, I advocate, you know, getting a vaccine and all that stuff, but um, you know, it is nice to be able to step out and, uh, and experience the world again after such a long period of time. You know what I'm noticing too is, you know, we are we are forever changed, right? In, in we are. some way. And I know I remember my my grandmother was a depression baby, so every time we went out to eat, whatever you didn't finish at the table, you know, she opened her purse and she wrapped it in napkins and you know kind of stuck it in there and, right. and took it home. And that was in the 80s that she was still doing that, but I know that we are forever changed in looking at how we we view the world. And of course, from a new thought perspective, um, this is right in our wheelhouse. You know, what, how do we respond to uh, what we've been through in the last year and a half or so? And how does that change, you know, how, how we're showing up in the world? I, I have a lot of questions. I don't have a lot of answers yet, but uh, I have a lot of curiosity about it. Yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely true. I mean, uh, no one has the answers right now. We, you know, you, you see it reflected in our society definitely at this point, you know, with the change in jobs and, and the fact that uh, a lot of people moved during the pandemic to work remotely. And that has shifted our, our economy, that has shifted the jobscape. And um, I think, I hope that we're coming out of the sort of standard industrial um, approach to work. I hope that you know, one thing that might come out of this is a more holistic approach to work that it's, you know, it's not just about nine to five and not just about um, you have to be there to be watched all the time. I'm hoping that there's more flexibility and that there's more freedom 
in that we can we can open up to a new idea of work but we'll have to see what happens with that i love that and at the same time i realize that i myself need help with self-management oh i agree with you because <laughs> as i've gotten busier i've gotten busier as the restrictions of you know having to say no to something because you can't travel or you're double booked or, or things like that kind of went away when everything went to zoom or, or when i was working from home and i am uh, i am seeking ways to balance so i did find martha's book helpful some of her uh wisdom some of her insights uh were very useful for that of you know we're, we're responsible for looking at um, how we again how we show up absolutely absolutely all right so i've got a quote for you today do you have one for me of course, Jim, I always have a quote for you and, and the listeners. All right, go ahead. You go first. Show me the seeds you sow and the thoughts you think, and I can foretell the manner of your harvest, for it is the same in our mind world as in the soil world. Oh, that is awesome. What is that? Uh, Who is that from? That is Unity co-founder Mary Caroline Fillmore, oh, better known as Myrtle. Ah, that is really wonderful and how appropriate. And and I, we've been. I I was thinking that it was just a year ago. Well, a little a little more than a year ago, we started quote unquote pandemic gardening, and this idea of really looking our our relationship, my husband and my relationship to soil when we started growing our own food really well not all of our own food we're not that industrious or skilled um but just our relationship to the soil and that relationship to the soil of our mind i like that so th this might this might end up on a coffee mug somewhere on my desk jim <laughs> i you know marta fillmore had so much wisdom and um i i'm trying to remember the name of the book that was a compilation of her work um can't remember at the moment but there's a wonderful compilation of a lot of her her writings and uh you know i highly recommend it I, I wish i could figure out the name maybe later on i'll be able to put it in but uh she she had so much wisdom and such a gentle touch too mm. all right are you ready for my quote i am what do you have today enthusiasm means of the gods when you have an enthusiastic heart all the heavens can flow through it oh who is that? I'm going to mispronounce her name. I can't remember. I, I don't know this, the pronunciation, but it's Sonia Choquette. Um, she is, uh, she writes a lot about working with your guides and your inner guides. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I, I just love that quote. Enthusiasm, enthusiasm means of the gods. When you have an enthusiastic heart, all the heavens can flow through it. It just really speaks to me. It's it's interesting how many of our words have theological basis to them or have theos have that root in there um, and enthusiasm is a is a good one it's a good reminder. Absolutely. All right, All right. we are going to get so smart today and so wise. We are Martha. we are so much going to do that. Are you and ready? I hope that I hope she's wearing a button and I hope she has a wig <laughs> on and I've heard so many I things love about the wig thing. her her enthusiasm. Yes. So, uh, yeah, let's get started. I want to hear about the uh, the wig thing. I definitely want to hear about the wig thing. All right, let's get into the episode. Reverend Dr. Martha Creek is widely known in New Thought. 
Her trainings approach deep inner work as an adventure with a sense of curiosity and wonder. Ordained in religious science and divine science, Martha has served as a Great Lakes Unity Consultant and is a member of the Unity Institute faculty. She's attended Emerson Theological Seminary, Master's and Doctorate, congratulations on those, Byron Katie School for the Work, and Hoffman Institute. She's a healthy congrega congregations facilitator and trainer. In addition, Martha has served in a ministerial role in both religious science and unity churches. And after reading her book, I've learned she is a certified scuba diver teacher. Is that correct? It is. It is. Find out more about Martha at MarthaCreek.com. And we're here. We're so excited to talk to you about your new book, Martha's Pearls, A Spiritual Approach to Life. Welcome, Martha. So happy you could join us. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me here. It's it's absolute delight, and it's my first time to do something like this since Martha's Pearls hit the airway. So it's it's quite a privilege to lift these teachings up as I'm very motivated to get empowered teachings to the whole of the world, as you know, which is what I say to you when you invite me to send in little snippets for the radio show and whatever you're doing in big universe, it's a privilege for me because it meets the goal that I have to get empowered teachings to the whole of the world. Well, we love having your insights on the on the show, and uh, you know, I'm I'm so excited we get to spend some extra time with you. So, I, I, you you talked about these insights and these teaches. I, how did the book come to you? What was the process in writing it for you? Well, um, not that I haven't really written a book yet. Um, it came to me by writing monthly newsletters. So that's what I've been doing for years. And it's a great story in just doing what you're called to do and what you're appointed to do, I think, Jim, and keeping the why for what you're doing really up front. Because I don't delight in writing monthly newsletters. It does not make my tail wag. <laughs> <laughs> whose, whose tail does wag at newsletters? <laughs> every single month. And I was very directed and very clearly directed to do this years ago. And I was defiant in it. Like I'm not mm. doing period. I mean, just think about how many newsletters you delete from your mailbox on a daily basis without even opening the doggone things. And I'm like, I am not doing it, period, period, period. And it would not leave me. It will, you will do it. You're going to do it. It's not a matter of time. So you sit your buttocks down and do it. Said, I'll do it for 90 days and then prove, I'll prove that it's ineffective and useless. So I did it for 90 days and it increased from like a hundred interested parties or a hundred people sign enrolling themselves to 900. Oh my gosh. So just like 90 days of that. So then I was like, well, that my proof didn't work. I'm going to have to prove <laughs> now. So I had the man that does the, my <laughs> friend, David, who does the website to look at the back end of it. So I could prove that people aren't, even though they're enrolled, they're not really doing anything with it. And it had a 35% engagement in it with people actually opening it. So then I justified it by saying, it's because I give them a gift every month. They're not really going for the teaching, they're going for that little gift I give them in the newsletter. So if you're listening, you can have the gift in the newsletter at marthacreek.com by subscribing yourself. And what happened is that just grew and grew. And then over time, this woman said, these newsletters are so good. And you put them in a book, put them in a book, put them in a book. And I said, you put them in a book. <laughs> she said, I will. So she went in, to, I gave her access to those archive newsletters and she went in there 
picked out our favorite ones, put it in a word format. And then in the podcast that I do called Mentoring Moments with Martha, I interviewed somebody and asked them how they got their two books out this year. And she gave me this man's name and said, you basically hand it over to him. Hmm. What I did. And the next thing you know, that thing was number 43 on the top list of Amazon downloads in just a few days. And it's already selling hard copies and it's already been nominated for some international award in the UK. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. All from, I never wrote a book. <laughs> so, and it's a demonstration of to follow direction, I think, and guidance for sitting down to write that because I do have a passionate, passioned desire to get empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. So to put it, to put those in a book, then then the book will find its way out into the world in places I will never set foot, and just like the newsletter finds its way out into places I will never be physically. So it was a way to to live out my mission and my vision for ministry through these mechanisms. So the book has its own life, and it's still it's still like expanding and growing like that. Only and it's only been a few weeks. Oh, that's fantastic. I, it brings up a question for me. Um, when you, how do you connect with spirit? What's a way that you connect with spirit? How do you get that voice in, in your head or however it comes to you? What's, what's your process? Well, many. <laughs> that includes an absolute decision that before I respond to anything, to speak or to write or to fire off an email, or to return a phone call to enter a portal of myself that I'd refer to as a still point or a portal of something larger than me, a connection with something that's whatever's breathing me, whatever you call that, God, source, infinite mind, that I make that my first step through pausing to presence myself before I proceed. And then in all modalities that people have heard about and that we've been taught since the creation of time to do include take deep breaths, one conscious breath, three conscious breaths, whatever it takes to get me into an upper room of my mind or into an expanded consciousness of my mind. I'm also practiced and trained over the years in meditation, transcendental meditation, Reiki, and uh, Vipassana, even sitting in Vipassana for people that, that, that study that or know it's like a nine days of noble silence, nine days of not even looking somebody else in the eye so that it removes the, the allure and the distraction of looking externally so then more practice at looking internally and referencing internally. And then over time, it, it gets a little easier, not uh, attainable at times, but certainly um, a little more ease comes with it. And certainly the wisdom to know anytime I'm referencing the external and getting dependent on that without connecting first, it's not going to go as well. <laughs> so the stress of that can inform me that I need to back up and pause to take a moment for prayer or mantra or breath or surrender or to step back and gain some perspective. 
and I stay very close to the teachings that have been the most foundational to me um, to actually practice those universal Christ, the power of now, <laughs> transformation of heart and mind, accepting what I cannot change, the Beatitudes, which I'm in again this summer as in last summer, and to, to, to look at any of these teachings as embodiment. Mm not just as a theory, not being able to quote these things or throw them out as a platitude, which I can be prone to, and I witness um, prone, proneness to that. <laughs> I can quote the authors, and it's like, well, tell your face, because it has not caught up. <laughs> all is well, all is well. It's like, well, tell your face, because it's not caught up yet, too all is well. So in the absolute, all is well, maybe. Back here at the ranch, <laughs> we've got our humanness, you know, and all that comes with being a humanness. And I connect with the divinity in me more easily when I accept the humanness of mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And the better I accept the humanness of me, then I am better able to accept the humanness of others. Hmm. And the more I do that, the less shocked and appalled I am at anything they say or do or anything that happens because I live more integrated so that until I include everything there is in the world, until I include everything, alpha to omega, everything, alpha and omega, then um, I'm living disintegrated. Hmm. And stress will be my feedback about that. You know, you talk in the book about, and that reminds me, what you're, what you're talking about reminds me of, you know, good and bad news and that we're responsible for our own freedom. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, I don't speak in terms of calling anything good if I am stop myself. What I'm practiced in, though, and devoted to is not to call it anything. So then traffic flows. That is so good. It's like traffic is stuck. Oh, oh, oh. And it's like, okay, <clears throat> the delusion that traffic is going to flow all the time. So then it, traffic flows, traffic doesn't. Reality. And when it isn't flowing, it's my tantruming about it not flowing that is an effect of my belief, which is false and an error, that it should be flowing. And as long as I stay under the spell of that, I can't have a different life experience. So basic unity and new thought principle, which is I am creating that. So whatever I name this, I'm going to experience it as that. Hmm. So if I name it as awful, if I name it as bad, then I'm going to experience it as that versus at a minimum I'm just going to call it what it literally is traffic stuck traffic not flowing and then there's less pain in that hmm. if I get mm -hmm. a period in there traffic isn't flowing period there's no pain in that mm -hmm. and instead the mind will put a comma in there traffic isn't flowing comma and that's a real problem traffic isn't flowing comma and it should be 
and traffic isn't flowing common, what about my important schedule? And after all I've done for God. So it's going to put that comma in there, opens a portal of suffering instead of just saying, let me be as literal as I can about what's happening so that I can stay factual about what's happening, which leaves me less feeling based about it, hmm. more factual and keeping a clearer distinction about that. So then we say somebody made it through an illness that is so good. Then somebody died from an illness. Awful, awful. Instead of this is what's been happening since recorded time. Since the beginning of creation, birth and death, illness and wellness, we cured and healed and we didn't. We declined and transitioned. And until I include all of that, then I'm going to live in response to everything that I don't want as torture, mm. as grief, as loss, as upset, and of not getting my way. And no sane person wants the people that they love to die. And everybody we love will die. Mm -hmm. Just a matter of when, what's the circumstances. And uh, my relationship with that is going to determine my experience of it. So then staying more in a mystic's mind about it instead of li my limited understanding of this, like to see this as it is, to see this from, I don't know what all of this means. I don't know where this is headed. I don't know what this is going to put in motion. That's got to be put in motion. And if I don't insert my limited thinking in this, if I can stay practiced a little bit to continue to step back, to hold a broader perspective about this, I'm going to have an easier time of it. And then for me, I'm actually available to help people who are suffering. And if I join them in the suffering, if I collude with them in the awfulizing, then I've just exponentially affected that. I've just exponentially expanded what I claim I don't want in the world. And innocently, I didn't mean to do that. But it's absolutely what I'm doing if I can't be the circuit breaker for this to pause and step back and to say, I'm not going to give any meaning to this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to interpret this. Um, so what I would call bad is a limited perspective on it because I don't know what could come from it. I don't know what all of these mysterious things and these happenings, I, I don't know what it's all about. And it's more than of to live life from an empty cup. Um, blessed are the poorer in spirit. Blessed are those who don't make up what it all means and then believe what they made up about it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Martha Creek. So Martha, one of the things that happens, I think, often for us when we're in that in that teaching of the non-judgmental place and the the you know, kind of eschewing the good and the bad and being with the what is and being with the facts is how do we reconcile that with what we're seeing around us when we see injustice? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I don't even know that we can reconcile it, Sarah. It's part of what I refer to as something that, and from my limited perspective here, I can't understand it. You know, when I've worked with radical forgiveness over the years, for example, that says purely and strictly and verbally, spiritually, even though I cannot understand this, even though I under cannot understand how or why these things happened, I know that I cannot dwell upon it. I know that I've got to be about what I can do something about. So I cannot undo what has happened, but I can absolutely look at what am I doing today that's either promoting that, that's, that's exponentially sending that on to the next seven generations, or I can look today to see what can I do that can circuit break that, or that says I'm absolutely creating something in this day that's sending something out from vibrationally different from me today, and what therefore is sending something out into whatever future is being created here. So then I'm making as much conscious decision as I can to say in situation to situation and in person to person and interaction to interaction, I'm going to make all the choice I can muster today to say I'm going to be about undoing what was done and then to put something in motion for what's coming. And for me, it's a full-time job. And the allure, the allure for me, it's a full-time job to sweep, my mama would call it to sweep under my own feet. Mm-hmm. And the allure I is- I love that, I love that, yeah. Yeah, I highlighted that in the book. I have, to, I have to admit that and your statement too, Martha, of I'm fairly certain that given a cape and a nice tiara, I could save the world. <laughs> Talk to us about sweeping under the feet. What, what does that mean to you? Well, that we're more prone the mind that is out there see, referencing externally is a mind uh, prone to blame and placing blame. And then without awakening to the more energy I leak off and blaming and shaming and guilting and fault finding and all of that, all of that energy that is sent in that direction is energy and vitality that I don't have for resourcefulness, for resourcing, for resourcefulness, for innovation, for collaboration, for doing something about what I can do something about. And then instead of saying she does that and he does that and that that gym and that group and that organization, and it's like looking out, looking out versus now, wait a minute, whatever they do belongs to them. And if I really believe that about them, then I'm going to be informed by them not to do that. So I'm not going to try to get them not to do that. I'm going to try to get me not to do that then I'm not going to be a part of organizations that do that if it's not in alignment with my own standards of integrity and how I want to be in the world. But I'm not going to be over there trying to whip them into shape because I've got a full-time job here trying to keep me from doing what I'm patterned to do 
and what I'm prone to do from a lower animalistic regressive part of my mind that's unconscious in what I'm doing to see I'm going to bring that into the light to the degree that I can through reflection, contemplation, introspection, prayer, looking, seeing, telling the truth to say, okay, I just caught myself doing what I'm blaming and shaming them for. And then not to blame and shame myself, but to say, let me use that as my awakening here, not to do that. And it's been helpful for me, particularly in this year, as I was um, redevoted, like what contribution am I going to make to like a topic like um, poverty, poverty or poverty consciousness or lack. And it's like, instead of trying to get my superhero cape on and a crown and go, ta-da, Martha's here to save the day. It's like, Martha's here to do what she can with what's in front of her. And that's, that's plenty. If I keep sweeping under my own feet and quantum theory is accurate, if there is such thing as quantum theory, sweeping under my own feet, clearing my own projector, clearing the projections of my own mind, interrupting the patterns of my lower animalistic tendencies has made the greatest contributions to injustice and to um, unconsciousness and to confused minds doing what confused minds have done since the beginning of history of creation so then it becomes more incumbent on me to say, if I want to make a contribution to that, there's one place to work, which doesn't mean I may not send a, a contribution, a donation, money, time. Um, for So for me, it's both and. Work here at home, sweep under my own feet, clear my projections, and go feed whoever I can reach that's hungry and go send money to something that I believe is about balancing this out or bringing some justice to a situation. And what I noticed over the years was us high righteous spiritual types have, have plenty to say about what's going on and we're doing very little about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like, oh, the tragedy in Haiti or the tragedy in South America or the tragedy here, or the tragedy. And it's like, what did you actually do to balance that. So if there is causation, if there is a uh, um, um, demonstration, if there is a way to say, I'm going to bring all I've got toward creating something different in the world, what did I actually do today toward that? And without shaming, without blaming, but to take an honest look at how much do I really care about that? Or is it that I just care to talk about it? Oh, I care wow. That's powerful. Yeah, that's that it, hits it right there. Yeah, that, that is. And, and I feel like I want it that I feel compelled to go back one step and Jim knows where I'm going. Um, but you know, the area that I work in Martha is the area of interspecies spirituality. And one of the things that I've been fascinated by is our um, kind of use of that animalistic term in terms of what that means when we are when we are acting in certain ways and i've been fascinated lately by some of the research that's coming out about how animals actually act 
and some of the the things that we attribute to our humanness that we actually find that spirit of cooperation and that spirit of empathy and, and these amazing things within that um, quote unquote animalistic as well. I, I was so touched by your story of, of the dog in your book. Uh, and I, I wanted to make sure that uh, that, that came in at, at some point of talking about uh, your relationship with this with this adorable little critter. So I felt like I almost went there. Well, go there. Share what share what was your experience? What was your takeaway from reading that? I, I, I think it's always this this um, this play, Martha, between what makes us human and then how much we have in common with some of these other species. And I saw that reflect through your writing. Well, I'm glad, honey. And thank yeah. you for reflecting that to me because it's important to me. So and let me clarify that I believe animals are more enlightened than we are. <laughs> We're, I'm always just a hair away. Yeah. However, I believe we have a potential beyond the animal and that it's very underdeveloped, you know, and that even the brain scientists say that from the mammalian, from the um, reptilian, the liz lizard, snake, dinosaur. And when, so when I say animalistic, it's that animalistic, that it's only choice. It's, it's full repertoire is to fight or bite, flee. And that's so that when I use the terms, that's mm. what I'm literally. Yeah, it's helpful to clarify. Yeah. So then, and I'm going to, I appreciate your mindfulness about this because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have another term about that. Um, that is more clear and graphic about it. So in the mammalian brain is dog, cat, dolphin, which is far more enlightened than most of us are on most days because of what you're describing. Mm. And yeah. it, they don't eat their young, you know, at that level. <laughs> so this mammalian brain is a, is a brain that you've seen taking care of other species young. Mm -hmm. That they'll feed yeah. and nurture a out of their own species. So they won't let another species go hungry if they have the means to feed them or to nurse them. So that would be a light year ahead of where many of us are on any given day mm. to say, if we had access to that mammalian brain, it's, it's light years ahead of where we are. Not to mention though, what's up here in pot that's possible in creative thinking, innovative thinking, resourceful thinking that we seldom ever access because we're so triggered. Mm. I would well love, said. I would love to dive into forgiveness. You brought that up, Sarah. And I yeah. think, it's so important. And you talk about the healing power of tears as well. But let's, let's talk a little bit about forgiveness to ourselves and for others. What are your thoughts on that? Well, many. So, <laughs> can we do another interview? Yes, yes. <laughs> forgiveness so, hour. Forgiveness, forgiveness, decade, forgiveness. Yeah, moment. yeah. So a couple of things I believe is that the power that I found in forgiveness is that it is actually an inside job. So to the degree that I have forgiven me, that I humanize me, that I'm not going to hold it against somebody else. So it, I had more power, more direct empowerment, more direct relief when I got busy forgiving myself. And as a child, I um, was aware of how quick 
I was easy. It was much easier for me to get somebody else off the hook and to overlook their trespasses than it was to accept my own. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was an, a direct ind indicator to, to me that I've still got forgiveness to do out there for sure. And I, and I practice it on a daily basis. So I was shown keys as a little kid, as a young kid, like the keys to life for this life. I don't know if they're for somebody else's life, but for this life, the keys were giant keys, like taller than Jack and the Beanstalk tall. Mm -hmm. And it was forgiveness and gratitude. Mm. And for me, they work together. Mm. So I can, uh, I can unforgive, I cannot forgive my mother because of that tone of voice she used. And until I do, until I integrate that, that this was a woman as a human being that's going to use every tone of voice under the sun. And I prefer this tone of voice. And she used this one. Mm -hmm. So anytime I don't get what I prefer, anytime I don't get what I want, which can back us up to the last segment, which is every time I don't get what I formerly called good. Mm then I've got forgiveness to do versus if I take that line of good and bad down, I don't have much forgiveness to do because it's all included. So they like me. They don't like me. They complimented me. They criticized me. It's all included. So then what would I forgive in them? They criticize me, period. How much, how much have I criticized in my own life? <laughs> And I can't I, like what I, I don't. I certainly have not criticized anyone <laughs> or anything in my life. So, and according, according to your face a minute ago, you 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 criticize you plenty. <laughs> so we may not be doing as much out there, but we do it to ourselves. And then, so then, if I hate me, then I'm eventually going to hate them. Mm -hmm. If I judge and and harshly treat me that I'm going to eventually judge harshly and mistreat the other because the pain of that self-hate and recrimination and unforgiveness will be so unbearable that it has to be displaced hmm. is how we get into blaming, fault finding, nitpicking and putting it out there. But forgiveness also the two or three things um, that's helped me the most is hearing that what I think happened didn't. So this puts me back into my practice of what actually factually happened. So it could be my mother left me when I was three versus my mother left, period. And if I don't put a me in there, if I don't insert a me, I'm going to have less forgiveness to do versus she left or she slapped or he slapped, then that belongs to them. And if I insert a me in it, now I've entered myself in it. So now, and then a lifetime of carrying that around versus having a moment of understanding that says I can disinsert myself in this, get a period in this and the period holds such power, power to the period. She yelled, period.
period. Or she yelled at me. She yelled at me. Yeah, there's a big difference there. Huge difference there. Yeah. And one stacks up more and more forgiveness to do. One says woman yelling. Now, I don't have to like it. I don't love it. It doesn't condone anything. It just says I cannot have a peace of mind if I insert myself into that. Hmm. So then what I thought happened was she yelled at me, comma, she doesn't love me. She doesn't care for me. She doesn't respect me. I'm not safe with her. I have no power. I deserved it. I'm not worthy. So welcome to hell. Hmm. So power to the period or hell hotel. So then I just checked myself in and Mm. the good news is I'm holding the key. Mm. So if I want to check out of here, then I'm going to have to use the key to check out of here. So what I thought happened was she disrespected me, doesn't care for me, doesn't love me. When all that actually happened was she yelled. Mm. Mm -hmm. So then there's less to do. And then just this week, I've been repeating I accept that I'm fully accepted. Hmm. I accept that I'm fully accepted. And to the degree that I can embody that and live that out, what would there be to forgive? Hmm. That's another coffee mug we need, Jim. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to touch, I want to touch on, you talked, you mentioned gratefulness and you, you said, talked about the quote, what if you woke up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? I absolutely (laughs) love that. I made such a long list after I read that last night, Martha. (laughs) I did. Well, what happened when you did that? Well, you know, I have to say that for a moment, um, for a moment, I, um, for a moment, I was unaccepting of myself and for not being as grateful uh, on a regular basis. I, I used to, when I was early in 12 step, I did a, a gratitude list every day. And I was reminded um, of how when, when it's not on the tip of your tongue and you're not writing it every day, it just kind of fizzles away, doesn't it? Yes. So just thank you for speaking about it and telling the truth about it. Mm -hmm. And then what happened after you quit judging? I wrote a nice long list. Yes. Then what happened? I slept like a baby, Martha. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So it's medicine. It's medicine. And anybody in interested in sobriety, which I believe is a pathway, not a destination. <laughs> I've never met anybody sober yet, but, uh, you know, cap the, cap the bottle if that's your sobriety and then get sober. <laughs> you know, So st- stop using that and then move towards sobriety. And that that's an example of it, honey. Like, oh my God, I should be more grateful. Oh my God, I, I can't believe, it. I mean, I know this, I did this in my program. I, uh, instead of like, that's over that's over. Here I am writing a gratitude list, minus shame, minus blame, minus guilt, Hmm. which is what I think causes us to relapse. That if we don't circuit break that, that it's what would send us right back to using the shame, the guilt, the heaviness of that, instead of, I've not wrote a gratitude list in 26 years. What a mystery, as much as it helped me. And I'm writing one today. 
So where's my little paper here? I'm going to get me started. And then something happened. And there's science about this. Like the vagus nerve is activated by this, which is one of the largest nerves in the body. So then that vagus nerve activates, which changes our variable heart rate. So then you, Sarah, slept like a baby. And who knows what happened, but all I did differently was write a gratitude list. So there if you, you go nothing away from this listeners is that it's like, then it's like, oh, I've wrote a gratitude list. I wrote a gratitude book. Oh, I met Sarah. I know all about, it's like, you don't know a thing about gratitude yet. Hmm. I don't know a thing about gratitude yet. Hmm. And I've been practicing it for 55 years. I'm 61 years old. So for 50 some years, I've been practicing gratitude on a daily basis because believing it's a key to the life I'm here to live. And I still don't know a thing about gratitude yet. Hmm. Like I don't, I, I, there's so much when you think about it, like when you think, oh, my gratitude for my teeth, like, oh my God, my teeth. Then it's like the smile that comes from that. And then it's like the toothbrush, oh, the toothpaste and oh, a dentist. And then, oh my goodness, and running water. And oh, you just turn a knob and you got cold water. Oh, you turn another one, you got hot water. Like, so <laughs> it's a different consciousness. Very much, very much so. Okay, I have to talk about the wig. Um, lighten up is a major category. And, you know, you talk about the wig. Tell us about the wig. Well, the wig started, so before that big yellow wig, there was plenty of other wigs. So glory to the big yellow foam wig. But before that, there's been plenty of other wigs and red noses and funny glasses and just anything that would honestly just circuit break some of the anxiety, some of the stress, something that could take people back to like. My so God. You, you put on the wig to, to lighten things up for you and yeah, for, for yeah. other people. And mm. yeah, and to, and to spread joy, just something that could be enjoyed and, and to accept that part of the bit, one of the biggest takeaways for me for that is to accept that what's joy for some is not joy for others. What's joy for some is torture for others. And you nailed it a bit, Sarah, even in your remark about there was this minute of shame or blame, you know, because I haven't written a gratitude list, you know, in so long that people have a shame that they can't smile or shame that they can't find joy or something versus just accepting that that's a part of our humanness. So, you know, sometimes we can access joy. Sometimes it's, it's, it's further down the pipe, yeah, yeah. you know, on our spectrum, but for the, for places that we can, in ways that we can. And what I witnessed out of those wigs has been, and I mean, that little chapter in that book captures just a sliver of a pinky nail of that, that includes um, wearing those in hospitals and in clinics where they're giving treatments. And then people forget that they're sick for a minute. They just get to put a wig on and smile. They want a picture for their family. Um, so for a second, um, they had a different experience, for example. Mm -hmm. Or it could be on some of these cruises, people thought it was part of the crew. They thought work. <laughs> so they would come and want to, and, and they wanted to try them on and get a picture to take back home or something like that. So that it was a part of their adventure. Like, oh, here's something that's being provided for us. And then they may find out, no, we're, we're you know, we're cruise passengers too. And some of them then were willing to do it still and others weren't. So it could be anything. Um, the wig happened to be a big visual something for it, but it could be something 
far less dramatic than that, that says, I'm going to do whatever I can to put a little sunshine out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's more we about, talked about a lot of buttons. There were a lot of buttons mentioned in the book too. I saw. Yeah. I would, um, if when, when we start doing this more visually, so one of them was a big yellow button that I wear that I've been wearing for decades that says, it's my birthday. Where's my present? And people look at it and they'll judge it. Like, how dare you? That's so arrogant. Others will go, Oh my God, it's your birthday. Oh my God. Here's a piece of gum. Let me give you a little bit. <laughs> And, and what they what, what that and everything else shows us is the spectrum of the human. Mm-hmm. And if I don't say the ones wanting to give me gum and kiss me are the good ones. And the ones who think I'm arrogant and self-centered and audacious are the bad ones, then I'm here to meet the human being as they are, the full spectrum. And I'm not going to let my peace hinge on which way they go. So I'm clear about what I'm in the world to do, which is to shed light, to be the light, to bring a little ray of sunshine. And some people will be burned by that and other people will be fertilized by that, enlightened, enhanced by that, and others won't. And I can't get into which is it. Well, Martha, it has been such a pleasure. I hate to end our conversation. There's so much more to talk about. It is. Jim, uh, we got to get past this time continuum, space time continuum thing. I'm Martha, not done with Martha yet either. I'm not either. <laughs> Martha, I hope you'll come back and join us again. Absolutely. Delighted to. But it's been great fun for me. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining us on Big Universe. Make sure you check out Martha's new book, Martha's Pearls, A Spiritual Approach to Life. And please go to our website, MarthaCreek.com. For more information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.